I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I am here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, where we come to you Monday through Thursday and a double dose on Saturday, endeavoring to bring to you the current events in light of the Constitution, truth, fact, and principle, not the fake news that you get inundated with every day, political party propaganda and big government agenda. And I'm, you know, I just want to go on the air today and say I'm grateful for my husband who oftentimes keeps me focused when I want to feed the trolls. So thank you, JC. Mm-hmm. My problem is, is that trolls come at me from the most unsuspecting places. Yeah. I think trolls sometimes, uh, trolls to most people are the stereotypical liberal, Democrat, leftist loony. In our world, that's what we think of trolls. But sometimes they're not all leftists. Sometimes they come from think tanks. Right. Libertarian think tanks. Really? (laughs) And so I just want to mention to my husband, thank you for keeping me uh, from feeding the trolls too much. Gotcha. I think I said on Saturday that sometimes I use it as a mental exercise sharpening the sword kind of thing but sometimes it's just frustrating because people ought not be that dumb but if people ought not be that dumb but (laughs) i would say this if if the uh if the opinions and statements are uh, are common and typical in libertarian circles then is that a troll or is that simply reflect a strain of thought in the libertarian movement well i don't know i mean the there are that was rhetorical op- for me but. opinions right but <laughs> d- so then you would say then the uh, the leftist opinions are typical of where the democrats are today too as well well cuz yeah, you see the same right. common trolls over and over again they they, they spout the same so so here's ignorance. what I, let me explain because as you well know and probably most most people that regularly listen I, I am libertarian, right? I am not a member of the Libertarian Party. You are not LP. Okay, capital L, I'm not they call LP, them LP. But I'm libertarian in philosophy in that uh, I believe in the principles of individual liberty flowing from natural law. I believe that the purpose of any government 
is to protect individual liberty, right? So you that, believe that Thomas Jefferson was not a liar. So that is core libertarianism. Mm-hmm. Okay, the problem is, and you can, it's, so again, this is a libertarian saying this. You and I have been to, been in and out of many, many libertarian events, meetings, Quote unquote groups, libertarian. gatherings, and we see this very common thing, which is, in my opinion, that a huge swath of, of these folks that we encountered at these libertarian groups who call themselves libertarians have what I think is a distorted version of libertarianism. Yeah, well, okay? I... We meet it all the time. So yeah. there's this yeah. focus. Here's, here's one thing that I see. The libertarian speakers and teachers and whatever, there's this huge focus on economics, mm-hmm. just purely economics. I've met, we have met so many self identified libertarians who they they can quote Mises and 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 all this stuff and they have a very very poor concept of individual liberty well and what we found I found it's because they don't actually read the founding documents no and that and that goes to their characterizations of the constitution characterizations of the founders all this sort of stuff but just from a philosophical sense I mean Tell me, tell me if I tell me if I missed it. But this seems to me what we've mm-hmm. seen over oh, and yeah, over absolutely. and over again. That this is libertarianism. To right. Them, that I I get to do whatever I whatever want. I want to whatever do. Whatever I want to no do. No consequences whatsoever to anything. Nobody can tell me what to do. Okay. And but if somebody else is doing something I don't like. Then I want them. I want them punished, controlled. controlled right, I mean, it's crazy. Right. We went yeah. to. It's a schizophrenic between between somebody who who is an anarchist and a statist. They live in these two different worlds at any given time, given the topic that you're talking about. Listen, we went to we went to a Students for Liberty conference. Okay, and this is not about the. It's not necessarily about the leadership or the people teaching, mm-hmm. but we moved in and out and we listened to these the students that were there, the young people. Mm-hmm. who said we're libertarians and you know they came out this group so you had this one huge group of people like there was a presentation in the students for liberty about the freedom to vape okay about right. about vaping yeah. which you know whatever good <laughs> whatever. for you whatever vape out. your head off i don't care so but but it was weird because the these college kids right we're libertarians and yeah we want to vape well then when you the discussion arose about um censoring speech, controlling speech, outlawing mm-hmm. speech, punishing people for their speech, like, oh, Nazis shouldn't be able to say this, and this person shouldn't be able to say that. So all these sort of things that they didn't like, mm-hmm. they supported government control, punishment, right. censorship, arrest, all this sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're not a libertarian, right? That's not, libertarianism is not, I want to do whatever I want to do, and you can't tell me what to do, and whatever you don't, whatever I don't like that you do, I want punished. That's not, that's, that's adolescent you know, juvenile, <laughs> spoiled bratism. That's not libertarianism. Yeah. So it's yeah. really bizarre how, how often we run into this. And then the other strain, and I, this is not bash libertarianism day or libertarians, because I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about right. people who claim to be libertarians. Who are and, not. And forwarding this, this, these bizarre concepts that are anti-liberty. Um, the militant atheism, This so the group mm-hmm. that's militantly atheist within the movement and want to shut down, like, outlaw religious speech. We talked to a guy who was the head of one of these 
big libertarian movements reaching students, he sat down to he sat down with us. Number one, this libertarian saying we need vouchers, okay, and so you're controlling education through government funding, right? So mm-hmm. there's a problem right there with if you're libertarian. Number two, he said that this was what was scary. We need vouchers so that we can get control over these Christian schools and make sure that nobody's teaching creationism. Right. Okay, that's supposed right. to be a libertarian. Right. That's cr- that is not libertarianism. That's anti-liberty, right. but the, these people are so anti-God and, and anti, they're anti-theist. And, and so they have all these pet sort of things. And so it, it's really disturbing as we go around. So we run, that's what we run into. So these well, people get, you say trolls, yeah. they come at you with these bizarre statements. Um, the Constitution is not about liberty. It's sort of attacking, you know, all of these things, attacking the founders and, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, but this is an issue that I had on Twitter with a guy who's actually uh, an academic of the libertarians. Well, I mean, that's, and, that's and here's tanks. the thing. Yeah, it's a think tank. But here's the thing. I, I asked him. He, he made the very bold statement, the Constitution is not about preserve, li- preserving liberty. And I asked him, point blank, what is the basis for your statement because the Constitution, the preamble says, quote, to preserve the blessings of liberty, right? Yeah. I don't know. You can't get, how do you jump past the preamble to get that? And, and at tweet after tweet after tweet, all he did was substantiate his premise with other think tank writers <laughs> right. about the Constitution. And he actually tried to evoke Ly- Lysander Spooner, but not Lysander Spooner, what somebody else wrote about Lysander Spooner. And so Lysander Spooner and I have some disagreements about the Constitution. He has some, and, and this is really going to chap some people, but he's, he's got some errors in his understanding about the application and, and even the creation of the Constitution. But that's what happens uh, post-1830 with our understanding of the Constitution. Sure. And I flat out asked him, I said, look, are, are you telling me that your entire basis of understanding of the Constitution is on things that were written post-1830 and not actually the people, the, who, wrote the people who wrote the document themselves? <laughs> Which I love Lysander Spooner, but he's not one of the drafters of the document. Yes, yes. Well, Lysander Spooner, uh, one of the errors that he has is the idea that the Constitution was ratified by the people. Constitution was not ratified by the people. The Constitution is not an agreement between the people and the federal government. There are two errors in that statement. Well, that's the thing. It goes to anarchism, not not necessarily libertarianism. So some people see that, like anarchist philosophy is a, you know, they see as some version of libertarianism. So mm-hmm. libertarianism is protecting individual liberty. The system that would do that the best mm-hmm. is anarchi- or anarchism, voluntarism. Uh, so that's you sort of move in and out of these things and you end up you can't really have a straight conversation you have to decide what philosophy you're talking about so it's do you want to argue the merits of anarchism voluntarism or you or you know the the intent of the constitution as stated and demonstrated by those who wrote it those are those are different things well and it's it's interesting that i see this so very often the academics, you know, the ones that, that people lift up as being the, uh, the source of information, the source of teaching on these subjects, are people that just engage in these, 
circles of reaffirmation, uh, echo chambers yeah. of their own thing, and they just pass around their peer review articles, right. and they actually never... Let Let's me do ask an ex you, uh, honest examination of yes. the original sources. What exactly? When did we abandon the fundamental principle that truth, real truth, is only discernible from an original source document? When did we abandon that? And and how is it these people who are supposed to be the trained of academic elitism, do, who 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 simply and completely ignore the principle of yeah. truth of original source text. Right. So here's what I believe because Professor so-and-so said, and he yes. believed it because Professor so-and-so told him, and he believed it because this, this scholar told him. Well, like, here, at what here's, point did you actually examine the information? And let's have a discussion about that. Yeah, this guy says, look, this guy even believes, uh, agrees with me, and that guy agrees with yeah. me. And I, I had to tweet him back and say, look, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you are all working from a false yeah. premise. Fallacy of logic much? Argument oh. to authority? Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. And guess what? If you are not a student at Liberty First University, maybe you don't know what that means, argument to authority and fallacies of logic. But let me remind you that Liberty First University is publishing our brand new course, argue, uh, The Art of the Argument, that will teach you how to deal with trolls. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. Deal with the trolls, even when they consider themselves and are considered by others as academic elite. And then when you see headlines like the Washington Examiner says, quote, this was, uh, this was actually an article yesterday by Naomi Lim in Washington Examiner. Democrats poised to grill Brett Kavanaugh on drinking, partying in high school. Seriously, they don't want to open up that can of worms, do they? Really not? I they mean, do. how they many are. how many senators <laughs> should we investigate for drinking and partying in high school? Let Let's do a current investigation from. I mean, the FBI would actually have jurisdiction to investigate the current congressmen on their drinking and partying in Congress. Yeah, you no. know how. You got Diane Feinstein who says that her role model was Ted Kennedy. How about that drinking and partying while in Congress? Well, the upper levels of FBI are not involved. They're, they're not about investigation. They're about circling the wagons. So that's, you're not going to, I mean, it's kind of pointless to ask them to investigate anything. That's yeah. not what they do today. They defend their power and they defend the power of the system. So Donald Trump announces that, that Rosenstein may or may not be being fired. Right. And so now you've got the you've got the uh, uh, cockroaches coming out of the woodwork. And McCabe gave the Andrew McCabe. Remember, former FBI director Andrew McCabe, who was found to have lied under oath, not once, not twice, 
not three times, but four times, lied under oath, issues his statement that if the rumors of Deputy AG's Rosenstein's departure are true, I am deeply, deeply concerned that it puts that investigation at risk. Maybe, maybe we're to interpret that he's afraid more stuff's going to come out on him. You think? So if you get his cronies out of there along with him, then this thing might bust really bust wide open. Which is a mystery to me to begin with. Why in the world is this thing not busting wide open? I mean, we talked about the paralegal at the Department of Justice who organized a a physically violent attack on the deputy of Homeland Security who became known to, to the world and the department for this is now caught on tape with Project Veritas claiming you can do whatever you want in the Department of Justice and nobody will fire you. Yeah. Why? Congress. That's the easy answer. It's why is Congress? Do you know One they word. Have, feckless. Do you know they, I think they have articles. Another word. They pusillanimous. Have, they have articles of impeachment against Rosenstein already. They're yeah. just sitting there, sitting in the house. Seriously? Yeah. So if you already had, you already had enough to drop articles of impeachment, and now we're having this sort of, you know, sleuthy uh, behind the scenes. What's going on? What's <sighs> happening with Rosenstein? He's going to the White House. Is he going to be fired? Congress again. It's as you said before. The the responsibility lies with Congress to impeach these. What, what's the term? The officers, civil officers, civil officers yeah. and whatever. There you go. There's the problem. No, no, no. They've not voted the, on these things. See, this the House is, Judiciary this Committee, is why they have articles even, of impeachment. This is why I don't even like looking into this stuff, because it just makes me so freaking angry. That proves to me they know exactly what they're supposed to do. There you go. Proves to me. Yet they're going to, they're going to just slough it all off on Trump. Right. So that, here's how this works. Exactly. So Trump can actually fire Rosenstein. So then it's not about the firing of Rosenstein. It's not about taking back the Department of Justice. It's not about correcting the errors of the, the FBI. It'll be all about the uh, uh, assumption of power, unlawful assumption of power by Trump, the illegal nature of the firing of Rosenstein, when Congress obviously already knows that he should be impeached, that it's their job to impeach them, and that if they did their job, it would be clear cut. It would be it would be done. What it does, it launches the quote, and they say this all the time. It launches the constitutional crisis, right, with the potential end result of uh, Donald Trump being impeached. And here's 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 why I think it is. We hear all the time from some Republicans, right? The problem with the Democrats, problem with the left, is they have not accepted the results of an election. Guess what? That's true with the never Trumpers as well. Why is the Republican-controlled House sitting on these papers and done nothing against uh, Donald Trump? I would suggest to, to, to you the never Trumpers who want to see him gone. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Ooh, but I'm only a stranger. 
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, chrisannhall.com. Remember, libertyfirstuniversity.com is your constitutional source for original source education on the Constitution. We're not going to be discussing uh, think tank papers unless we're actually comparing them to the standard, the Constitution itself. That might be uh, uh, something that we could do in a current events class. You know, we, we're, we're developing classes all the time, and a classes, some of the classes we're going to be having are reviews, or, or sorry, in-depth walkthroughs of Federalist papers. So wouldn't it be interesting to do some in-depth walkthroughs of Heritage Foundation papers or Cato Institution papers? Yeah, well, there's, there's the other, another think tank where the guy you were chatting with writes for, which I like. Yeah, the, the, uh, I'm not going to name the other one because I like the other one. Right. Uh, Cato and Heritage, that's another issue. <laughs> so today in history, do you know what happened today in history? Nope. Today in history, the first Supreme Court was created. Wow. By the, um, Judiciary, by Act. The Judiciary Act of 1789, passed by Congress and signed uh, by President George Washington establishing the Supreme Court of the United States as a tribunal made up of six justices who were to serve the court until death or retirement. Mm. No, that's not what... That's, that's the History Channel's assessment right. of the Judiciary Act of 1789. The Constitution does not say that yeah. anywhere. Uh, they were to serve, serve with no term of office upon good, good behavior. Good behavior. Do you love how even our HistoryChannel.com, well, we know History Channel itself is all about historical fiction. They're not really actually about history. But now you have them. We have schools that use this This Day in History uh, website to teach. And did you see with what authority? That's the very first sentence, right? With what authority it establishes that Supreme Court justices are to serve the court until death or retirement. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no mention of the fact that the Constitution, you could actually probably use less words if you said we're to serve according to Article 3 based on good behavior. Yeah. It may not be less words, but it's no more, right? And so then, what amazing discussion that brings up. What is good behavior? Well, let's go to the Cato Institute. Let's go to Heritage and find out what good behavior means. No, I'm sorry. Let's go to the founders because they wrote about what good behavior means. Right. And so, well, But you're not going to have that discussion because that's completely absent. Yeah. Right? Because you're right. That implies a question. So if it actually said, uh, you know, the Supreme Court justice who were to serve with no term of office but upon the requirement of good behavior. And people go, oh, wow, I wonder what that standard is. And then you have the discussion. You have the pursuit. You go find out. What does this mean? Where do they get this from? But now that it's gone, because death or retirement, well, that's pretty cut and dry. We don't really have any questions about that. I mean, outside of maybe Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we pretty well know when someone's dead. I'm not sure they can tell whether she is or not. <laughs> but you, you don't have to like, oh, what does death mean? I wonder what the standards of death are. Uh, you know, or, 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 or what is retirement, right? So there's no question. So they've completely, right. elimp by this, this distortion of, of the truth, of the distortion and, and ignoring the Constitution and what it says, then we kind of booed people off. We, we, you know, there's nothing to see here. Right. So you don't even question. So here's the amazing thing. So remember, 
Uh, September 24th, 1789, the Judiciary Act was passed by Congress, and then on September 26th, all appointments were confirmed. <laughs> Did you catch that? Two days later, we have six Supreme Court justices. Yeah. <laughs> we can't get one Supreme Court justice in six months. I mean, seriously. Now, I want to don't read this now. I want to read something to you, JC. And I want you to tell I know who me. the first chief is. You yeah. quiz me. I know that. Who, who's the first chief? John Jay. Absolutely. Yeah. You who was the founder of the New York Manumission Society. Absolutely. And, and the, the free African Free School. The African Free School. He yep. was nominated by, uh, by President George Washington. Yep. One of the writers of the Federalist Papers. One of the writers of the Federalist Papers, yes. Uh, okay, so here's my question. I'm going to read to you a sentence. I want you to tell me what it means... As it's written. I'll try. Okay? Put me don't, in the spot. Don't let, it, don't let what you know interfere with what the sentence says, is what I'm trying to say. Are you ready? Okay. The U.S. Supreme Court was established by Article Three of the U.S. Constitution. The Constitution granted the Supreme Court ultimate jurisdiction over all laws. Wow. You're speechless, aren't you? <laughs> You're absolutely speechless. Yeah. What I, does that mean, over all laws? That's pretty straightforward what it means. Like if you if that's what it says and you don't know anything, then then you accept that Supreme Court says what's law and what's not law, no matter where, what, when, how, why. They they are they're in charge. So apparently a good swath of the American academia have never read Federalist 78 uh through Federalist 784. Nor have they read the Supremacy Clause. Nor have they read Article 3 of the Constitution, right. which specifically lists the delegated authority of the Supreme Court, which specifically leaves out of Supreme Court jurisdiction laws created in the states, uh, laws that involve people within their own state. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you, yeah, see you what jog I'm saying. My memory, you have the presentation, the judiciary that you do, where you where you go through those things, and it's like here's a list of what's in their jurisdiction. Here's what's not in their jurisdiction. So when so if you have like if you have a list, this is what they can deal with, okay? But yet here's the thing: they have uh, jurisdiction over, over all, all laws. laws. Why would you make a list? I mean, wouldn't that contradict that very idea? Wait a minute, if if, if they have jurisdiction over everything. Why do we need to list it? How did you list everything? Well, I mean, no, seriously, the, the list is is very it, it, it is very precise. Yeah. So why, we, they could have saved a whole lot of no, words if they so, just said over all laws. In fact, it's so precise, my eyes cross trying to absolutely keep up with it. Now here's the, the thing: combination because it's like yeah, uh, suit between this one and that one, that one and this one, this combination. There's these all these combinations of. Who's suing what, from what direction, what level that they list, that this is the jurisdiction. You're going, okay, wait a minute. You almost have to diagram the thing to mm-hmm. keep up with it. So maybe that's, maybe the people are confused. Maybe they don't like that, it, that okay. they have to put so much work in it. Let's Here's just say all laws. Here's the thing. If they read Federalist, Federalist 83, they would hear from Alexander Hamilton, excuse me, are you people stupid? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, what Hamilton would say to them. Are you stupid? His, his, his text in, in 83 is, look, if you, uh, why in the world would we make a list if a general authority was to be implied? He said the, the use of a list, he used the word, would be absurd. Yeah. 
So now we're dealing with people being taught absurdities as reality. Yeah. Our, and so then you get my think tank friend, right, who learned obviously uh, as, as, a, as a JD or a PhD or whatever he may be from the historychannel.com, right, because he obviously didn't learn from actually reading the people who wrote the Constitution. Yeah, because this is what you refer to as judicial supremacy. And Absolutely. this is what's taught in the law schools. Right, and, exactly. And in academia. Right, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, it's just... By the way, if Hamilton said, are you stupid, it would be much more elegant than that. Yeah, because... Like he was notoriously arrogant and colorfully arrogant. Oh, yeah, man. I, I, so, Hamilton has his issues just like they all do, right? Sure. Um, John Adams lost his total brain when he became president, or at least maybe. I think, I think power is like cocaine. It just exaggerates whatever your most dominant personality trait is. And John Adams' personality trait was, was uh, self-centeredness, well, right? It's like so you, so the, it seems to me it would reveal the things that you would do if you could right? Uh-huh. You haven't done it before because you didn't have the power to do it. So now John Adams getting criticized. You're, what, what was he called? Fat? Fat pompous king. Fat, they were, they king. were actually singing, uh, humming the, the, uh, the uh, kingly pomp and circumstance song when he would enter into a room and it just mm, made so him then so he angry. Starts Basically throwing people in yes! jail. Yes, even Benjamin Franklin's grandson, who was a journalist. Yeah. For for insulting him, right? You've insulted the president. You go to jail, okay? And you go to jail. And you go to jail. And you go to jail. So that's that was John. So all the good stuff John Adams said and did that you could point to. And then there's this. Well, here's the thing, right? (laughs) Because most of these these deniers, these these criticizers of John Adams were also supporters of Thomas Jefferson. So when Jefferson came into office, he pardoned everybody that that Adams had thrown into prison. But anyway, Hamilton has has his issues. But if you read his writing, he has such a brilliant and and absolutely fatal snark. He will slice you with the sharpest knife. You'd be just left they're bleeding thinking what just happened to me it's just amazing now i'm going to read something else to you this is still from historychannel.com history.com on this day in history are you ready yeah i know okay all right uh let's see oh where was that oh the first sentence i sorry i lost my the first sentence of the third paragraph are you ready the u.s supreme court grew into the most important judicial body in the world in terms of its central place in the american political order wow yeah well and what's would that be was that 78 again where who was that? Hamilton describing essentially that the judiciary is supposed to be the weakest, weakest branch. That one was seventy-eight. Eighty-three was the other one. Seventy-eight is is Hamilton explaining that the Supreme Court is to be the weakest branch right. of the three. So you had we had this discussion, this exchange the other day. You have on Instagram actually. Yeah. So you have uh, separation of powers and and uh, co-equal branches of government in the sense that each has the equal ability to check the one the other branch in order to protect its own sphere of influence right however the the federal courts 
were given the smallest sphere. Right. So most people will say what Christian, because uh, I'll tell them, look, we don't have three co-equal branches as to delegation of power. They'll say, but yes, Jefferson said that they were co-equal. Well, Jefferson was explaining that they were co-equal in their protection of their own authority and the protection of separation of powers. He was never referring to the, the delegation of power. Yeah, the scope of that authority. And all you have to do is look at the Constitution itself and you can recognize that there is a hierarchy in the delegation of power. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, our final segment. And this is Chris Ann Hall. And I'm here with my friend. JC has just stepped away. And I'm here with my friend, my dear friend, Debbie Bacigalupe. And I got that right. So welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you, Chris Ann. Thanks for having me. And what we've just done is segued into something that is very, very important, uh, should be important to every American, but something that is on your teaching radar. And this is this idea of uh, dual f- federalism and cooperative federalism. Right. And... This is the invasion of the sphere of power of the states by the federal government through a, a, a m- misteaching of what's actually going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me how this works for this. Well, it sounds really good. You know, they talk about cooperative or right. collaboration, and I'm seeing it everywhere ever since, uh, you know, watching the documentary that was put on by the Finnecombe family and Center for Self-Governance that Lavoie was trying to, the, the murdered rancher, which I'm a cattle rancher's daughter, so, you know, I'm, I'm all over this stuff. I'm like, you know, because it could be my parents, you know, in the future. Mm-hmm. So I've been keeping a watchful eye on all of this, seeing the creep. It really is the creep away from, and you talk about sovereign state rights all the time, mm-hmm. which was vital to not only, uh, it's vital to to the United States being what our founding fathers had envisioned for us. So what is this cooperative federalism? What does that mean? Besides what the federal government has been up to sneakily for years now, mm-hmm. it is like a blurring of the powers. Mm-hmm. So dual federalism, which you and I are, we believe in separation of power. We believe the state power. Mm-hmm. We believe that the federal government has powers, but only delegated by us, and it's very clear and defined. Well, so does James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, and John Jay, by the way. So, they, so w- we're, in good, we're in good company with this understanding of separation of powers. When you look at the definition of dual federalism, which, which it's out there. This is not, we're not making this up. Mm-hmm. This is history. It's very clear it, versus uh, cooperative or collaborative federalism. Mm-hmm. The picture that they give is like a cake. One, dual federalism is like a layer cake, a two-layer cake. There's a definitive line, both mm-hmm. representing a certain amount of power. When you have a mix, like a, a swirl cake, for example, which is what cooperative federalism is, it's a blurring of the lines. Mm-hmm. It's a public-private partnership. It is regionalism. For those of you who understand what United Nations Agenda 21 Sustainable Development is all about, 
Bell should be going off right about now. Well, we have here uh, uh, a news release from the Western Governors Association who's holding a webinar today. Uh, right and, now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, right now, as a matter of fact. And uh, this is what they say. I think this is probably a really good uh, example of of cooperative federalism. They said, in enacting the Federal Clean Water Act, Congress established a system of cooperative federalism whereby states, in partnership with federal agencies, are granted meaningful authority to ensure the proper balance of powers in the implementation and enforcement of the acts of various programs. Now, let's, let's be clear. The antecedent to that are granted meaningful authority is the states. So what this is actually saying is not Congress that is granting the states power. It is federal agencies that are granting meaningful authority to the states to ensure a proper balance, right? So what does that tell you? That number one, that the federal government has so much power that the agencies have to grant certain power to the state so they can be balanced. I mean, that one sentence in and of itself is so out of whack, but so indicative of where we are as an American people and what we think about the federal government. Totally. And you know, when you read that, I'm here live with you. I saw JC shaking his head like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It puts, it, well, it establishes the starting point of the federal government being above the states. And the federal government has to be uh, cooperative and, and generous and magnanimous enough to, to give some of its power to the states to lower it. That's not how the Constitution works. The Constitution is the states creating the federal government, delegating portions, small portions of their own power to the federal government, delegation, a a temporary trust, not the other way around. JC and I have decided to cover this in tomorrow's show in greater depth. So you got to listen tomorrow because we're going to we're going to break this down and destroy it. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Let me know in my heart when my days are through. America, America, I gave my best to you.